Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. freecr.org.au Now, don't despair. If nature calls, the bikey next door wants a cup of sugar for his meth lab, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. I'm pretending to be Dale today. I'm on the other side of the panel. I don't think I've been here for about 40 years on the other side. Ah, oh, I nearly touched a button. I was about to be sent out. I nearly touched a button. I've got somebody who's doing all the buttons, an exceptionally intelligent human being. We only employ intelligent human beings at 3CR. Now, I do have a guest, and she doesn't know what's happening. It's Melanie Summers. Good afternoon, Melanie. Good afternoon, Joseph. Well, you're wondering what you're doing here, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, I... Um I've always trusted in divine intervention and I was looking for um, wow. an avenue to voice my uh, story, my oh. experience. Oh, that's good. Divine and, intervention. Um, ta-da! I found you. Yes, unfortunately I'm, I'm not divine and I have feet of clay, but I reckon we can muddle through this during the afternoon. Because Look, everybody's life is made up of different directions and different stories, but I want to go back right to the beginning What's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? Being very cold mm-hmm. um, and, I think, hungry right. and exhausted. Right. And how old were you? I think that was the day I was born. The day you were born. <laughs> I can't go back any further than that. You reckon you can remember the day you were born? Yeah, and I was you a breech birth, Seriously. so I used yeah. to joke always about being born standing up. Yeah, well, it would have taken a long time if you were a breech birth. Your poor mum. Yeah, they would have uh, done all extraordinary manoeuvrings in the womb to get you going, which is good. Well, you, sh- you sure that's the first thing you remember? That's extraordinary. I've never had anybody remember being born. Well... Maybe not consciously remembering it, right. but subconsciously aware of 
what an ordeal that was. Right. And right. that was just the beginning of... What, many ordeals? Yeah, there were a significant number of mm. um, traumas, if you like. Right. Were your parents still alive? Yes. They both fell alive? No, my father's passed now. Right, um, right. But my mother's... Oh. Still alive. How She's old, how old she? 87. 87. So how old does that make you? Well, a lot younger than, <laughs> than 87. All right. We won't, <laughs> we won't go into that. Right. Were you born in Melbourne? No, I was born in Innsbruck, Austria. Excuse me? Innsbruck, Austria. Innsbruck, Austria. After the war? Yes. After a few years after the war. Maybe a... Like about half a dozen or a dozen year after the war. Joseph, you're fishing. I know, I'm fishing, I'm <laughs> fishing well. All right, you were born in Austria. Have you got any brothers and sisters? I do, I have a younger brother, was 12 years. In, huh? Now, he was born here in Melbourne. But Right, okay. It's a big thing for parents to take up stock and move to another country at the, end, at the other end of the universe. Why did your parents move? Um... Well, it was my mother's mother who was the business head in the family, and um, she was the one who got everybody to start earning money, working, and they pooled all their money while they were, um, while the Austrian government had brought them back from Germany as from their refugee status. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What do you mean refugee status? What happened? Oh, well, after the end of the German occupation, right. um, when all the soldiers or officers moved out of their family home in, mm. and the village and the town, right. um, the people that were there that had mixed bloodlines, mm-hmm. um, the correct term is Schwaben. Right. What, what does that mean, mixed bloodlines? That means, line? you know, you could be a little bit, you know, a little bit French, anything from the from the the melting pot of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, right, right. which included German blood. Right, right. So the Germans had a responsibility to um, encourage those people of that background, of that bloodline, to go with them under escort to Germany, where the Red Cross was waiting for them to, you know, tend to all their needs. Right. Um, but then after everything was over and they all went back to Austria... Mm. and had nothing, right? nothing left. The Austrian government housed them in really, you know, pretty decent accommodation, like hostel, right? in a town called Kirchdorf, just um, not too far from the uh, Italian border, actually. So, yeah, they just got working, and they're very industrious people, and they saved up enough money, and my grandmother said, right, we've got enough money now here to pay for everyone's passage. We're all going to Australia. We're going to leave all this trauma, tragedy, loss, violence behind us, and we're going to make a fresh start. A fresh start, and a mm-hmm. new land, yeah. in the start of the world. So how many were there? How many left? Um, <coughs> my mother's parents, my mother's mother's parents, my parents, myself, my mother's older sister, my mother's younger sister, and their... One had a boyfriend and one had was engaged to be right, married. Right. That's a big crew. Yeah. So you would have come by boat? Yeah, they came over on the last voyage that the Castel Felice. Castel Felice, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was an Italian ship. Yes, Felice. Pretty reasonable. I mean, there's no ships leaving Austria. Everybody had to make their way to Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to depart. Not from Trieste or? Mm, I'm not sure, sure. exactly where. Mm. So how old were you then? Well, I was only three months old. Oh, well, you wouldn't remember. Um, and uh, unfortunately, immigration officials uh, would not allow my parents to actually go on that voyage because they said I was too young and I would not survive the voyage. Mm-hmm. So they had to stay behind for two months and fatten me up right? so that I'd be ready to... Uh, so, you know, a couple of months later, my parents and I followed mm-hmm. on a dreadful ship. It was a Portuguese ship called um, the Aurelia. It was a terrible voyage. Two children did actually die, die on, on the voyage. voyage. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So obviously, we I just were... made it. Just. Mm. You, well, you did research into all this, have you? Oh yes, oh, yes. Right. I didn't realise that. Trace my family tree back about six generations on my mother's side. To where? To well, it would, the lineage is all Austrian, right? But six generations ago, there was a trickling of. French, mm-hmm. and I actually have that man's name, From six that Frenchman's na- name, six no. generations ago. How hard is it to do family? Well, history? I found that name. Mm. I know I, I learned everything from my grandmother while she right. was still oh, alive. Oh, while she was alive, right? Yeah. She was my work in progress, my project. Right. Oh. For three years, while I lived with her with two small children. Right. She seems an extraordinary woman. She was. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And how about on your father's side? How far did you go back there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was only five, five years ago. I went back to Vienna mm. because he was born there to parents that were also Austrian, mm. Viennese to be more uh, exact. Well, that's right. There is a difference, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> only if you're Viennese. Um, right. So <laughs> I, I, um, I found out a little bit about, I knew a little bit about his mother, but I didn't know much about his father, and it turned out I found a whole family of musicians. Musicians? Yeah, musicians. Um, First cousins, second cousins, third cousins from a family I'd never even met before, Mm. and they're world-famous musicians. Mm. Mm. And this particular third cousin is married to a famous uh, Australian lady, famous musician. She's recorded um, Mm. string sections for people like Sting and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm. other, Nick Cave. Mm. Um, And I assume it's all trickled down to you, this musical ability? I wish. (laughs) Nothing, eh? The best I can do is dance. Dance, all right, okay. So where did did your parents settle when they came to Australia? Um, In, well... My grandparents were here first, two months mm. before we mm. arrived, and they had purchased or put a deposit on a house. Mm. They very Where? hard working, and they pooled the money mm. very quickly. In Melbourne, in Melbourne. Yes, in right. um, Yarraville. Yarraville, right? Yep. In um, Murray Street. Murray Street. Mm. Um, just across the road from the um, Sun Theatre mm. down in the village. Village, right. I still call it the village. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the grandparents really accommodated everybody and we just all kept working. Mm, the, mm. All the ones that could work could, did. Right. Yep. Um, and then until they one couple could move right. on and get a mm. place and mm. so on and so forth. So did, did your parents stay with your grandparents or did they move For a little there? while, and then they not, not very long at all because right. they got working and... Um, mm. Moved into a very small apartment somewhere in Westgarth Street in St Kilda. Oh, Westgarth Street. Everybody knows Westgarth Street. 
So, when did you go to primary school? Oh, we don't have enough time. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, yes, we all do. Right. We have tons of time. Okay, I started out, well, from Westgarth Street, I think mm. within about a year, my parents purchased a new mm. uh, house from the Department of Housing, one of mm. those horrible little mm. two-bedroom concrete things. Mm. But it was a brand new estate and there was a lot of southern European migrants that mm. did exactly the same. And it was wonderful. The neighbourhoods were fantastic. Mm. You know, everybody felt safe. Everybody really looked out for each other's children. It was a really, really good time. Mm. And um, so I started school at St. Dominic's Catholic School. Right. And I had nightmares about that until I was 27. Can, can, can I ask why? That's how much fun that was. Can I ask why? Oh, Mother Superior. Oh, right. Uh, she was a bit harsh. Exceptionally harsh. She was like mm. a hurricane barreling down the long, long corridor with her crucifix swinging in the breeze <laughs> right. and sparkling and blinding you when, when the sunlight just bounced off it. This is, your, this, is this little three-foot nothing oh, girl. Yeah, I was, yeah. what? Five, six... Yeah. yeah, I would have been six. So did your six. parents realise you were having a hard time? Or they didn't, they didn't. Um, well, when I was seven, they <laughs> they separated. Right. So then I ended up going to school in St Albans. Mm. That was just what? like a non-event. Right. I didn't learn anything while I was there. I was only there a short time. Right. And then they got back together again, uh, only to separate again yeah. three years later. Yeah. So then I had to go, and when we when they got back together again, they were in Broadmeadows. Right, right. And then I went to Broadmeadows State Primary School. School, right. Um, and that was a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then they split up again, and then I ended up going to school in Altona. Mm-hmm. Or, f- hang on a minute, no, it was Footscray. Footscray. Footscray Primary. Right. And I stayed with my grandmother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot. And then, of course, the parents, after a while, they got back together again and they stuck it out um, till I was like 12 and a half and then they announced that I'd be getting a new baby brother. Right. <laughs> Yay. After 12 and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Finally yeah. Got and then they split up again when I was about 14 and a right. half. So, so where did you go to school, high school? Uh, I went to Glenroy Tech. Right. Why Tech? Why not? Yeah, but what? Because what, your, your education was so well. I wasn't. I wasn't. School, I wasn't remotely interested in going to a a Catholic school, oh, right? right. <laughs> and not a girls' a school, school, right? Thank you very much. And um, mm. no, I like. Well, I I was I was interested in um, technical drawing, right? And things like woodwork and sheet metal. And mm. Which I was told, no, 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 right. you're not allowed to do that. That's right. You have to do sewing yes. and cooking. And cooking. And is that what you did? Well, of course. You know, <laughs> right. I had to obey the regime. Okay. Yeah, so you did sewing and cooking, although you wanted to do carpentry and metalwork. And, well, and design, the, the tech right? drag was really mm. appealing. Mm. But mm. I used to just watch them in there, the other students, the boys, yep. with my nose pressed up against the window pane. Right. <laughs> just, oh. So what's this, in the late 60s? or? Uh, or oh, it was already 19... 
6970. Even then, you just you couldn't do these subjects because they were boys' no. subjects. No. Mm, because it was traditionally a boys' school, but right. that, that was the first year they decided to go co-ed. Right. So then there was this influx of 200 mm. girls or something, and there was like 500 boys. Mm. Well, the boys thought all their Christmases had come at once. Well, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> at that age. Yeah. That's what you'd think of. Christmas, that is. Now, getting back, so how old were you when you left Tech College? Um, I was 16. 16. Yeah, right. I wanted to right. be an air hostess. Right, did that happen? No, I was too short. You were too short? They knocked me back over a quarter inch. A quarter of an inch? Yeah, can you believe it? Mm. Well, so without high heels, you had to have a specific height. Yeah. They didn't take your other measurements. Answer. Answer. They didn't take your other measurements. N- no. No, just your height. That was it. Yeah. Initially. Initially. I mean, that was the initial oh, right. thing. I don't know what would have followed had yeah. I have yeah. been able to yeah. take a deep breath and... Yeah. Stretch yeah. <laughs> to cover myself for that quarter inch, but it didn't right. happen. So, right. so, so, with this devastating news, what did you do? Where'd you go? What type of work did you do? <sighs> well, um, mother wasn't happy for me to be at home, like mm-hmm. at all, at all, like at all. Right. Mm. Um, so, um, I applied for a position with the Commonwealth Bank. Mm-hmm. Commonwealth Bank. What, the what Commonwealth was, Bank. What was the position? Um, I worked in the credits department right. in Collins Street at that time. Mm, how long did that last for? <laughs> a year. A year. I got sick and tired of doing, uh, working overtime and not being paid, paid. for the overtime. Right, right. So, you know, I'm not one to keep quiet and suffer in silence yeah, well, I'll, I've speak, noticed that. I've noticed I'll speak that. up and yeah, I'll say yeah. you know, what's this all I about? Mean, you said you were hungry when you were born so obviously you're not going to speak you're not going to suffer in silence are you Melanie? <laughs> no, well no I had my earliest training for that um, I mean I liked working there but not for a pittance mm. and not for all those hours so right. then I ended up working in a menswear um, menswear fashion store Right, and that the, was different that was fun. Did it work out? Yeah, for about a year. Right. So really, and by this time you weren't living at home anymore. I was. You still were living at home, but you, you didn't feel you were welcome. Well, my mother and my little baby brother and myself had moved in to, with my grandmother. Right. Funny that. Right. Uh, until my mother decided that we would, uh, she would rent a little unit. Mm. Yep. Not far from my grandmother's house, right, so because right. my mother needed my grandmother to look after my baby brother, because right. my mother, she just had to go to work and she had to go yeah. to work. Because well. th- these were very difficult days, because if you were a single parent, you didn't didn't actually get any support from the government, did you, at that stage? Uh, no, I don't no. think I no, don't think nothing. there was nothing then. There was nothing then. That's right. Yeah. You had to go to work. But you know what? You could take, you could pick and choose. Any industry that you wanted to work in. You want to be an air hostess? Here you go. Mm. Get, this is when you start. Yeah. You know, do you want to... It didn't matter what kind of profession you wanted to move into. Mm. You could leave school at year 10, mm. you know, and you could just go into a really good, you know, um, occupation that would lead to a career. That's right. 
People find that... It was I mean, golden. Uh, Those yeah, years were golden. Well, they were in terms of work. I remember, you know, during the school holidays, you just knock on all the factory's doors and you get a job within the, during that day, usually, basically. You yeah, know, and there was a, a, apprenticeships galore mm, and yep. there was, yeah, textiles industry was booming, you mm, know, like... Mm. See, there are a lot of those... We were spoiled for choice back then. Yeah, a lot of those jobs which have now been uh, exported, in inverted commas. Sold out. Sold out and exported, yeah. I was down at... Uh, Geelong, look, looking at the textile um, museum. I don't know if you've ever been. Oh, the museum. Oh, yes, we still have those. <laughs> yeah, it was a textile. They actually, they had the old uh, loom to make carpets. And yeah. in fact, that carpet hadn't been made in since 1984. You know, yeah, I remember my grandparents yeah. had beautiful Axminster mm. carpet in their dinky little two-bedroom abode behind a shop that they'd purchased mm. where they set themselves up in business. My father was, uh, my grandfather was a leather artisan and he right. made handmade ladies' dress shoes. Mm. Mm. He was so talented. talented. Yeah. And my, my grandmother was on the other side and she was um, a dressmaker and she right. was making all these fabulous Vogue, what have you, Hollywood styles for all the ladies in Brighton right. and Turak. Yes, yeah, so hopefully she charged them Brighton and Turak prices. My grandmother's a very fair and reasonable right, person. Right, so she didn't. Ah, well, this sounds like a pretty nondescript life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's pretty common. Like you said, you're floating from job to job and, you know, you're paying your bills. And when did you finally leave home? Well, I was, was all packed and ready to walk out the door from the house in Broadmeadows mm. because my parents were driving me nuts. Oh, they come and back together again. And I didn't want anything to do with them. Right. Um, I was the catalyst mm. for their final split. Right. But I didn't realise it <laughs> at the time. I just wanted to divorce both of them. Right, you wanted to divorce your parents. And I, was, I said, you two are crazy. I'm going home to... I'm going back to live with um, Nana, Nana yeah, my grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I know who I am when I'm with her. Right. So, um, yeah, so I left the next day after threatening, but my mother, with my my mother and my brother in tow as well. Oh, right. So we all pretty much deserted my dad, right. just which was sad. Mm. But I just didn't know. What to do. Yeah, you're 14 and a half. What are you, you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You've got no power. You've got no say. Well, that's right. You've got no power. You can't do no anything. You, you can just leave. In many regards, your life was basically... Um, yeah. Determined by your parents' interactions, which is, and a lot of people find themselves in the same position, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I eventually got sick of changing jobs and what have you, lifestyles and socialising mm. and mm. groups of friends. Um, so I got married. I'm fine. How old were you? <laughs> well. Well, how old were you? Twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, around there. That's pretty yeah. common in those days. Yeah, yeah. nineteen, twenty. Well, we did that to escape. And that was know. horrible. Yeah, right. That was like jumping from the fry pan into the fire. Right, right. Um, so that lasted about twenty months. But mm. I bought a house. Right. You no, know, um, right. I come from a long line of hard-working people, mm. Mm. and I was, you know, spent my money wisely, and um, yeah, after that, I had two years of just. Spending all the money, the right. profit from the sale of the house, house. <laughs> right. and I just had a good time. Well, that and sounds I, good. Yeah, and then I ended up meeting another Mister Wonderful and got married again. Mm-hmm. I assume that lasted for a little bit more than twenty months. Four months to get in and four years to get out. Right. 
And all I got out of that was two children. Two children. And nothing else. Nothing else. Absolutely well, right. nothing you else. You didn't do badly then. You got two kids. Yeah. You didn't do too badly. Yeah. No. Well, it could have been a lot worse. Well, it could. You could have got a black eye and no kids. That's what it was like. Yeah, there was a few possibilities exactly. in that in that uh, period. Yeah. So, so what's this? The late seventies by now. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's it like for, Mid to late 70s. for a young woman to small Oh, no, kids? I was divorced by 83. Right. Yeah, so 1983. So how hard was it for a, a young woman with two kids at, in, during that Very period? hard um, mm. because we were displaced and living in a car. Hang on. You were living in a car. Yeah, that was the only way I could detach from the, the misery of the, the, the marriage that I was in. Right. Um, it was just sacrifice. Had to, I just sacrificed everything just to get away safely with the children mm-hmm. and ended up, ta-da, back with my grandmother. Right. <laughs> Did she just look at you and say, hmm? Oh, no. no. She was sick and worried with grief uh, for six weeks because she didn't know where we were right. or how we were living mm. or what was going on. So how big was the car? It was a it was a Kingswood. A Kingswood. That's right. You're not taking the Kingswood. Kingswood that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was a Kingswood. So there's a bit of room. How, how old were the kids? They were babies, both in nappies. Right. So it was really, really hard because there was nowhere to um, do laundry. There was nowhere to cook. There was it was horrible. We were sort of in and out of. Um, Motels and um, I had my brother with me into the bargain. As well, I, you don't. I can't. We don't have time for me to give you the backstory because no, it's no, mini series no. material. Mini right? small, maybe we should <laughs> to do a mini series. And um, so, you got your brother. How old is he? Twelve, thirteen. He was sixteen. So you got your brother. There's you and two kids in that. And the dog. And the dog. <laughs> and you're living in a car. Little pomeranian. Yeah. yeah, for for quite a while, and then. Um, I was dropped off at a women's refuge with the children for about a week or so. Mm, Um, And that was good because we could get some, we could sleep in an actual bed and, you know, get some cooked food um, and do laundry. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? Oh, and, and they slept in the car at the beach and just used the the amenities at the beach beach. front and my, Husband at the time, he had a, uh, a cash-paying job in a car park oh. in Little Burke Street, mm. just there in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that whole setup was a bit dodgy too. <clears throat> um, so then the fellow that he was working for in this little car yard said, "Look, I've got a, you know, we, we've got this little old weatherboard house out in Clunes. Ah, good old Clunes. Not far from Creswick. Yeah, mould and all that. that so yeah. he said, if you want to, you know, take your wife and your children and, and you know, they can stay there for as long as you need mm. until you get back on your feet again or mm. whatever. Yep. So that's what happened. And that was, that coincided with the... Um, I think it was the Ash Wednesday fires. Right, And there were f- fires burning in, mm. like, north, south and east and west right, of Shepherd us. And all that. Everywhere. That's right. That's right. And 2.30 in the afternoon, 
um, there was no light in the sky. It was just pitch black. Mm. And there was this black dust and mm. wind mm. that got into people's homes and cars and destroyed furniture and carpets and all kinds of things. Yeah. And the town ran out of water. So then there was a massive outbreak of gastroenteritis in the town, no. um, and I miraculously escaped. Didn't but didn't. Kids, but all the kids got <laughs> it. Yeah. The children, I, no. and I was bathing them in buckets of water mm. several times a day. Mm. It was just coming out of both ends. Mm. Mm. Horrific. And I was on my own, and I didn't have a car. I didn't have a pram. Yeah. Nothing. Mm. And he was in Melbourne. Working in the car park, park. Oh. you know. All right. Well, this is, it's four thirty. This is Radical Australian Community Radio Three CR streaming live on three CR dot org dot au. Um, chatting with Melanie Summers. It's not a. Well, you're a survivor. It may not be a great life, but you're a survivor. You're tough, aren't you? I've had some joy. I'm sure everybody has joy. In the last couple of years, Have I've right. been able to. Somehow be punch back. Yeah, you know, divine intervention, if you like. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm good. a great believer in that and really? poetic justice yeah. and. What well, you're religious, are you? Spiritually evolved, not any mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. religious denomination, though. Right. But no. you do you do believe in a god, or not? Well, or just a spirit, or well. You keep talking about divine intervention. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like or um, karma. No. Yeah, something along those lines. I, mean, I I do believe that there's something greater than myself. Absolutely. Right. Right. You know, because I don't take credit for. You know, when something absolutely fantastic happens for me. Right. I don't take credit for that. Right. I just keep putting my best foot forward in life, mm, mm. and um, just. Just function every day with everybody I come into contact with, um, you know, from a place of genuine intention and, you know, somewhere down the track, hello, something great happens. Tell me something great. Um... Something here. This is live radio. All right. Well, I was living in a garage at the back of my grandparents' home Mm -hmm. after um, my husband had abandoned us right. and deserted us and left us penniless. Yes, right. But I tricked him out of the car. Right. I got the Kingswood. <laughs> you, you got the Kingswood. The broken down old Kingswood. You did well. I did. You hid the keys. And then um, yeah. I found out about public housing. Right. So I put my name down on and they said that oh, well, because you're living in a garage and you don't have you know, a bathroom mm-hmm. or, or, or a kitchen or, right. or a toilet or anything like that, um, it will put you on an emergency waiting list. So mm-hmm. within three years, I was offered a brand new three-bedroom, two-storey townhouse. Now, hang on. Within three years? Within three years. Right. So what's this in the late 80s? Yeah. And what, the kids were what, going to primary school still? Yeah, they're in primary, primary school. school. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like I'd won Tats Lotto. Well, you had. So that was a great thing. Mm. Because housing. I sacrificed, you know, everything. Mm. And thought, I just, all I did, I just walked out with one baby pretty much under each arm and thought, right, this is me. Yeah. All right. So there's some, somebody did something right for once for you. Yeah. And your kids. Yeah. 
And uh, are you still living there or have you moved No, um, we were there for seven years mm. and I applied for a transfer because I would have liked the children to have a nice big backyard to play in. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe have some pets. Yep. So we transferred. I got a, a really nice um, three-bedroom house in Chadston. Mm-hmm. And I'm still there. You're still I've been there. there 28 years. With the ministry. <laughs> Public housing. Department of Human Services. I know, I know, I know. I call them. Uh, I'm being really. There's rude. nothing ministerial. I know, and there's nothing, and there's <laughs> about nothing, them. <laughs> and there's nothing human. But you, you, but you're still there. That's the key. All right. Yeah, that's and good. Um, so what you want? You're one of the 64,000 people left in public housing in Victoria. There's not many left, you know. You're almost a, a well, unicorn. Property development in my immediate area mm. is off the charts. Right. Totally off the charts. Any day of the week, I can't drive up or down my street without having to dodge about 40 parked cars in the street. Right. You know, they'll knock down two residential homes that were maybe built in the late 50s and they'll put 26 apartments there on Huntingdale Road. Mm. So, you know, they've got underground parking, Mm. but that doesn't address the issue of visitors, that's right. Because they got visitors, right. and even the people that live there, they're too lazy mm. to put their cars away at night. Right. Oh, they come and go, mm. you know. Mm. Or they might come home from work, leave the car on the street, oh, because I've got to go out again. Mm. So the whole street's cluttered, and then you've got the kindergarten, you know, there's all those cars. Mm. And so you're worried that there'll be a knock on the door and they'll want to develop... Your little block. Oh, I, I had a I had a, a Mercedes Benz pull up out the front one day. Mm. Um, elderly chap behind the wheel mm. and a tall woman Blonde. of an Asian an Asian right. background, mm. tall, slim. Mm. She's from the Philippines. Right. And she was telling me how much her and her husband loved the house because I've got a really nice garden. Right, right. right? Even a verge. Yeah. And. Um, she said, oh, we like to buy your house. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> <laughs> if more, only I had the title. <laughs> you know what? More front than Myers. Yeah, if only you had the and title. And I said, um, <laughs> you're trespassing, get off the property. You've got 10 seconds before I call the police. Right. And I'll have you arrested for harassment. Right. <laughs> so she left. Yeah. Uh, And afterwards, I thought, oh, gosh, I should have just asked her to write me a cheque for $2 million. That's right, you know, and you just could have disappeared. And then I could have said, well, thanks for coming. Now, life hasn't been easy. Um, I assume the kids are off your hands now, are they? They've left home? You know what, Joseph? I don't know whether you have children. I do. But once you're a parent... They never leave home. I hope the listening audience is really going to hear this and Mm. just meditate on this for a little while. Mm. Once you're a parent, you're a parent until you are in your grave. That's right. Oh. Now you know how your grandmother felt. Yeah, well. When your mum Oh, but my grandmother up. was a saint. Mm. All right. Oh, what, when were... she passed, she got her wings. She got her wings. Oh, absolutely. She... Absolutely. She saved nine lives during the war. Oh, right. Um, so. How did she do that, just as a matter of interest? Um, at the end of the German occupation, uh, in Austria, mm. they were under German escort on a train, open cattle train, middle of winter, right. snowing. Mm. It, it's a horrific story. Yeah, well, tell us. A lot of, a lot of um, bystander trauma. Mm. Um, 
planes were flying overhead, shooting at everybody. The soldiers are saying, oh, we stop the train, everybody out and run into the forest. And this happened a lot. Over and over again, yeah. Yeah, so everybody would run into the forest. But what people didn't realise, and I don't even know whether the German soldiers knew this or not, mm. but it was a swamp. Mm. So you had elderly men and women, babies, toddlers, you know, mothers, teenage girls. They mm. got hypothermia. Right. And consequently, these people died. Mm. So there were dead bodies on the train. Right, right. For, you know, the, the whole journey was a three-week journey mm. just to get from Austria to Germany. Right. It was horrific. Mm. And there was nothing to eat, not a thing, nothing to drink. Um, one toilet on the train, mm. right down the other end of the train. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, sorry, I just... Well, uh, we won't go. I get, I get stuck in that well, one because it's so yeah, well, horrific. Well, the thing is, your grandmother did save lives. Yeah, well, it was basically mm. herself, her three little girls, right. her sister-in-law and her four children. Mm. Are you keeping count? Yes. <laughs> How many is that? Eight. Eight. Oh, no, there was one other. Mm. Maybe I'd miscounted, but go on. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Eight or nine. And she kept them all going. She kept them all together. together. Right. Because some people, when they left Austria, mm-hmm. um, the, some of the soldiers said, oh, well, you know, um, you know, if you don't want let, to, let, let's, let's just take the children. Let's just evacuate the, the children. children. Yeah, and leave you behind. Well, the yeah. parents that agreed to allow their children to go under safe escort, Never they saw never saw it. those children again. Yeah. So my grandmother, mm. she didn't trust anybody. No, I think you've got the same gene. So she, um, she held everybody together, together. right? Okay. No matter what. All right, let's let's go back to your life. Have anything of any interest happened since you since you've been growing older? Well, um, there's a lot of things. Um, well, anything you'd like to share? Because well, you know, I got, I got, a, I was, I was, um, because I'm very house proud right. and I have a background in horticulture and I mm. grow a lot of food, food and right. I tend my garden and right. my verge garden, right. um, you know, and all the food that I grow there mm. lovingly. Mm. Um, the Department of Housing did a survey right. and they came up with this idea. Well, we're going to do some upgrades of some houses. Right. Okay. So out of 33 houses that they had on the list for my immediate area, mm-hmm. only three became eligible for the full upgrade. Right, right. And I was one of them. Mm-hmm. So, again, that felt like I'd won lotto. lotto that was yeah. back in the year 2000. Right. So somehow the universe is always providing me with a really lovely home. Mm-hmm. And... You know that's pretty good. You got the, and they didn't. That's, destro- that's a big thing. That's a big they deal. They didn't destroy the vegetables and the flowers in the upgrade. Oh no, no, no! Because <laughs> I was there. <laughs> no, 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 You were there for shotgun. Oh, well, I was um, supervising, um, right. and I had to because the painters started painting over all the light switches, and I right. had to put a stop to that. Right. Yeah. Private but yeah, everything. Yeah. It was not just paint. Um, mm. It was mm. everything: a full kitchen, full mm. laundry, full bathroom. Oh, that's excellent. All the paint uh, outside, it was all the paint. Well, I'm very pleased, Melanie, that, spouting. that all the taxes I've paid and actually actually helped you in your life. Oh, well, thank you. I'm very you. pleased. Well, I'm, thank you. It's good to see. That and we're grateful. What, I, what I'm really upset about is they don't do it anymore. 
They're just privatising public housing. Well, yeah. the last inspection they did was 2009 mm. and nothing's happened. Until a year ago, I discovered asbestos. Well, right. Well, the hello. Cat the cat among the I've got a whole new toilet. Right. They had to completely gut the whole laundry and toilet down mm. to bare bones mm. and then rebuild it. You, d- you didn't live in the Kingswood then, did you? During that oh, no. We, we, the Kingswood and I parted company a long, long time ago. Right. Okay. Anything else interesting happen in your life? Yes. Uh, when I was living with my grandmother, not long after we disposed of... Well, someone actually stole the Kingswood. Right. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Obviously, just kids taking it for um, a joyride. Yep, yep. So um, shortly after that, I started working as a nanny next door for my next door Mm neighbour, but she didn't know. She didn't know? No, I started doing her garden for her, and she was away at work. She was a single mum with three kids, and she had the kids with her in tow all the time. So every day when she came home, Mm. she noticed something's different. You're right. (laughs) This went on for about a week, and then one day she came home and caught me. Yeah. And then she offered me a job to be a nanny and a housekeeper. Right. So that was a good cash job, and mm-hmm. um, I saved all that money. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, it was the end of the financial year, and all the car yards were having sales, and yep. I thought, right, got to buy a car. Right. So I bought a lovely car, $8,000 car, for $4,500 mm. over the phone. Over the phone. Yep, over I the phone. I don't like this. How did it go? Great. It was, Great. 19, <laughs> it was 1977 gold-coloured Cresida, like, oh, a, like oh. a little, little they, they limousine. They never stopped. Cresidas never stopped. I know. That they car was stop. golden. Yeah, they never stopped. So that was another great thing that happened, yeah. and, and it made me happy because we were living with my grandmother still right, in the yep. garage, yeah. Yep. Um, and I was able to take her on outings all the time. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that is. I can't believe it. Do you know what that is? I think somebody has left it. Well, it's not me. Well, it's not me. I don't know who it is. It's not the microwave or the oven. It must be that divine intervention again. (laughs) What do you reckon? Well, no, usually when Uh, it uh, arrives, it mm. arrives very quietly. Mm. And you just see the outcome. You Mm. don't actually see Mm. the arrival. Mm. Have you got any plans for the future? You're not not a young chicken anymore. Plans for the future. Mm. Um... Well, I'm I'm pretty much done with um, volunteer work. Right. I've done that for about nine years. Right. However, saying that, I um, I've I've just started as a production assistant. A production assistant. Yeah. What does that well, mean? it's really just a receptionist. But a receptionist. I am the gatekeeper. Right. You know? Right. I'm right. the one who if nobody can. Everybody has to buzz to come into the radio station. A radio station. Yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. Not this radio station. That's what I'm saying. What radio <laughs> station are you involved in? Am I allowed to say? Of course. It's um, it's uh, GDR. What's that? 95.7 What's that? FM. What is it? GDR is now the acronym mm. which came from the original name mm. of Golden Days Radio. Got playing it. yesterday's music today. So this is an old people's radio. Well, not really. It's just old music, <laughs> old but it's music. really good quality stuff. Very oh. well researched. We've got thirty odd presenters. Right. Well, where are you based? Streaming live. Where's Glen GD- Huntley Road. In Glen Huntley Road. So Glen you've been Huntley. there a long time, GDR. Oh, they have, yes. I know, but I know. I'm a relatively new addition to the right. family okay. there. How come you got radio experience before GDR? 
No, I'm just absolutely passionate about good quality music. Passionate? Absolutely. Can you describe good quality music to me? Well, the music that I grew up with, because mm. my father was on the stage, he was a tap dancer, musician. Right. Now, one day he was having arguments with your mother all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was in a boy band in 1938. A boy band? Yes. Do you remember what they were called? Do you know? No, I don't know what mm. they're called, but I have a copy of the one surviving photograph of the billboard, mm. the post that was posted on the outside of the theatre in mm. Vienna. Right. And they were wearing, I believe, satin outfits. Right. Don't know what colour. Mm. But, yeah, um, yeah, he was a very, very talented, very creative person. Mm. So um, I grew up with a lot of his, uh, you know, he introduced me to cinema. You know, well, he well, introduced well, me yeah. to... Uh, all kinds of music, well, Spanish, that, that, that operetta. music gene seems to have actually rubbed off on you. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I have a, a mm. nice little mm. vinyl collection of very old music. Oh, those old women who did the previous the program old, would love you. They would love you. They come old in here blues, with vinyl. the roots of blues, yeah, which I adore. Yeah. Um, some really good jazz, all the jazz greats. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, not just the vocalists, but the musicians mm, and the arrangers yeah. and, mm. you know, the big bands. Um, right. And I do a little bit of rock and roll and swing dancing. Excuse me. Every you dance week. Still? Yeah. Like your, like your father. You don't tap dance. I don't tap dance, no. That's a bit of a hard task now. Um, <laughs> how, just, how long have you been dancing for? Um, well, I did Latin dancing for a couple of years back mm. in 1989 and 90 through right. to 91. Right. Um, and more recently I took up rock and roll because I was regretted, you know, not learning rock and roll right. at that time. So, yeah. You know, it's life just gets in the way of your dreams, doesn't it? Oh, it does, yeah. So... Um, yeah, I thought, well, blow it. I'll just do it now. And everything else that I didn't get a chance to do, I'm doing it now. Like what? Oh, yeah. Oh, just whatever. Oh, tell us what you whatever. Well, whatever. Oh, well, dancing, and yep. I, I want uh. to do more travelling. I haven't travelled anywhere near enough. Right. I've only been back to Vienna, uh, Austria, uh, right. once in the last once. five years, yep. and that was part of a who-do-you-think-you-are kind of quest because right. I was right. researching further back mm-hmm. with amazing success. Mm. Um, yeah, just more travel, I think, and I want to go somewhere tropical. So, look, your your life could have taken a completely different direction because of how difficult it was initially. So why do you think um, it's taken this positive turn? Is it your personality? Is it divine intervention? What is it? Um, no, it's just my attitude, I think. Just, you know, always look for... Like, every experience that turns up in your life is your teacher. Right. So it's a good sign. What what can I you know what? Obviously, you know the penny always drops later, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, in the yeah. beginning or not in the well, middle no, when you're going no, through no, it. No, no. But later on, yeah. you've got time to contemplate and mm. and and just reflect on you know what was that all about and what did I get out of that and you know what can I learn from that or you know what am I ready to let go of actually. Right. A huge part, I think, of becoming more evolved as a human being, as a decent human being, is, is um, you know, don't sweat the little stuff. Let it go. Airbrush it away. Even the big stuff. Yeah, airbrush Whatever's, it away. Whatever happened before this moment, 
You can't. It's already it. ancient history. Yeah. I'm not living in the past. Mm. I'm mm. here now. Right. What's next? What's next? What's right. the next challenge? Right. What can I just jump into with both feet? Something I know nothing about and just right. learn as much as I can about it. Mm. You think this is from your grandmother? This attitude? Because she seemed to be a a very positive person. Definitely influential. Mm. Because your life wasn't easy, let's be realistic. Um, I mean, any child who goes through that situation where parents are fighting all the time, it's not easy. As you said, what can you do? It wasn't just the fault. There was so much more. Mm. Um, You'll need a box of tissues. I'm not going into it. No, no, no. No, It's not a a fun conversation. No, it's not a fun conversation. But what I'm saying is you've had a difficult life. You've come out the other end and you're still punching and you're doing well. I know you've had... Interactions with the authorities, which have been unpleasant. I know, oh. I know you've had many, many of these interactions. Yeah, talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. Germany. Yeah. The things that can happen and what happened in that s- scenario mm. um, a few years ago mm. um, with the authorities was the same thing was happening to, as a lawyer explained to me, an alarming number of people. Mm. And not everyone's equipped with a strong constitution where they can speak up for themselves or, uh, you know, just decide to create that paper trail, you know, mm. just, just start that paper trail. And it doesn't matter. It's not about the money. It's just doing the right thing and holding those accountable mm. that need to be held accountable. Mm. Because if it's wrong, then it's wrong. It doesn't right. matter which way you look at it. It doesn't matter who's doing it. And, you, you know, it, and if it means you have to go out of your way to stick it to the establishment, well, so be it. Yeah. And they have to wear it. You know, they've got to fess up. Well, they've got to fess up. It's a, it's, it's a difficult situation you find yourself in. But what, what, what really excites me, and I don't get excited often, Melanie, it's, <laughs> it's not your good looks, you can uh, relax about that, oh. is the fact, <laughs> it's much more deeper than that, is the fact that a lot of people get destroyed by their past. They get destroyed by their experiences. And you've had some horrific experiences through your life. And obviously we can't no. obviously broach them. And we don't want to broach them anyway. No, we, no, because I want to finish pro- on a happy note. That's right. But you've been able to, mainly through your own uh, will, yes. to actually break through this and actually create... Moments that are important to you and, 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 you know, to improve your life, you know, make it worthwhile, which, which a lot of people are not capable of that. What makes you be capable like that? What do you think is different? Well, I'm always willing to learn. Right. But in the last two years especially, yeah. I've put a lot of energy into not just helping my mother, my disabled brother, mm. my daughter who's been in and out of hospitals, and my son, mm. who had a couple of minor operations. But um, I've been doing a lot of work on myself. Right. And, and at the end, of the, it just doesn't matter what I've been doing or how I've been doing it. The important thing is I'm doing something because to do something is better than doing nothing. And I've just really come into my authentic self, mm. I feel like, you know, for the first time because I've let... Uh, so much go. Mm-hmm. You know, I've forgiven. Forgiveness is a huge part of becoming the best you that you can become. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, your, your children and your friends, you know, don't be certain. Your partners, they'll follow by example. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a really um, 
good thing to do. You know, it doesn't matter how much you get knocked back or how many times you fall down. Just get up and get back in there and just keep pushing that, Mm. you know, just keep pushing that envelope. You know, just keep pushing it because eventually you're going to get over that hump. hump. Mm. And when you do... It's like a massive burden just being lifted off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then you, in those moments, that's when you really know who you are and right. the sort of stuff, the sterner stuff that you're made of. Mm. Well, look, it's an extraordinary life, Melanie. We've only touched it. I know, you know, we've only touched it and we haven't looked at the bad parts and we haven't looked at the good parts. We've looked at the whole thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's an interesting beginning and it's an interesting end, but it's not the end, is it? Oh, no. Actually... This is now, officially, this year, is mm. my new beginning. Right. I'm just stepping into my new future now, my new right. future life. Right. Come on, tell us how old you can, are. You can call it um, my second life. Yeah, tell us how old you are. Well, I'll be people. 65 in two months' time. Well, there you are. The fourth <laughs> age. You're entering the fourth age where yeah. you've actually learnt from your experiences. You've, done, you've been exceptional. Look, it's been a great interview. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Melanie. I know you came in and you thought we were going to talk about something else. Oh, well, uh, I'm very flexible. Yeah. I'll I'll talk to anybody anywhere about anything. All right. (laughs) Well, look, I'd like to congratulate you on coming in. I'd like to congratulate you uh, for doing your work at, uh, was it 2GDR? GDR. GDR. And we wish them all the best and I wish you all the best and hopefully our conversation will help people to actually get in there and uh, start boxing again because that's what it's about. Thank you very much, Melanie. All the best for the future. Thank you. And it's a pleasure. This program will be podcast on 3cr.org.au. Thank you, listeners. And next week we've got another exciting guest. We only have exciting guests here, don't we? Thank you, Melanie.
Could be struggling for you. 